You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So today's going to be a little bit different. Everybody say different. Different. As you can't tell, uh, Pastor Kate's up here with me. We thought we'd do something a little different that's probably never been done before that I've been a part of. Uh, But we're going to do something we call tag team preaching. All right? So this is just an interesting time uh, because something was laid on our hearts this week. In the passage, actually, it was last week, I think. Yeah. Uh, we didn't wait till this week. No, we didn't. I want to get that straight. We might have waited till last night at twelve o'clock to write it, but we, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, ninety percent of it was done before last night. Come on. No, uh, many of you know that we work together at Cornelius. We just thought we'd get together and pray about the scripture that God's laid on your heart. We share it today uh, from a joint perspective. Uh, Pastor Kate, Family Sunday. So she gets to add the livelihood and story perspective where I get to get the boring teaching perspective. And she shows me how bad of a storyteller I am. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, uh, we wanted to present a different opportunity uh, that could be applicable at any age. This message is going to challenge our faith, challenge our lives and our action. But isn't that what every sermon's supposed to do anyway, right? It's supposed to challenge us and give us tools to equip us and use for His service. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came to earth to do three things. To forgive us our sins, to give us a purpose or a commission for living, and to give us a home in heaven. And Pastor Rick Warren said that. I quoted him. But today we're just going to focus on one of these things and how do we live with purpose. Robert Bryan once said this, the purpose of a life is a life of purpose. How many know that going through this life is miserable if you don't have a purpose? It can be the worst feeling. Look, when I was without a job, I had no purpose. Every day I'd wake up, well, in that area. I had no purpose in the financial area of making money and those kinds of things. It was miserable because there was no direction. There was no end goal. There was no target. And so when you don't have a target, when you don't have an end goal, it's tough to live. And the same can be said for our Christian faith. Have you ever noticed people that come to church and they don't have a reason uh, to keep coming to serve? They don't have a purpose for living. Man, they're just miserable people. They don't have anywhere, any direction, any sense of direction. Sometimes our lives can get back like that and we need to get back on track. You know, it's miserable to even be around people like that. And... uh, you know, some of the things that I, I like this quote that says this, you shouldn't go to bed tired and with no purpose and wake up tired with no purpose. Uh, that's not what God intended for us. And Dr. Eric Thomas said that. And I really like that quote that I heard this week. So today we're going to be exploring the first chapter of Daniel. Our story is set right after the uh, Babylon's first attack on Jerusalem. They had plundered the city and the temple and they had taken the first wave of Israelites into exile. So this first wave included four men, and we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. These men were uh, taken directly from their home and the place that was supposed to give them security and safety. They were taken from a place that was safe, that they knew, that uh, brought to them a, 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 a hope of knowing exactly what they were going to see each day into a place that had none of that. And so, you know, when things get tough and when the future looks cloudy, when decisions look dicey, we all have the ability to fall back on the things around us that bring us comfort. For some, it might be a bowl of ice cream. 
There's others that might be your phone. You get to an awkward situation and you pull out your phone and, you know, um, you play Candy Crush. Uh, for some of us, it might be, you know, for, us, for the kids, it might be uh, your family, your parents. And that was all taken from them. As we look into the beginning of the story, you will see how they interact with these new challenges without those small comforts that we take for granted. And as the Babylonians slowly strip away their identities, we will see the truth of God shine through into their lives and with a purpose um, in a time of exile. So let us turn to Daniel chapter 1 and dive into his word. And today, if you have a bulletin with notes in it, if you need a pen, I have a couple extras. Does anyone need a pen to take a little notes? Awesome. Okay, so in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And then the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defects, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen from some from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have then have my head because of you. Don't you love a good story? <laughs> this is a good story. We'll pick up again in verse 17 and continue. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. That's amazing. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. There's something really applicable right there at the end. And that's when you are a follower of God. You are a follower of Christ. You promote Him in your life. You live with purpose. God can promote you. God can highlight you and highlight Himself. It says ten times more than the people that they called on every day for things like this. They made them more qualified. All kinds of things. So today we want to share with you four truths about living with purpose. How to live it out. And today, the first truth is this. When you live with purpose, number one, you trust God's process. 
You trust God's process. How many know that sometimes God's process is not what we thought it was going to be? Right? The way He takes our life, look, I can tell you that right now. Being honest. The way that God has taken my life right now, I did not understand all the steps that were going on. And in, in our lives, that's the same thing as what we saw in Daniel chapter 1. In fact, if you remember back to what Kate just read, it was a long time. Uh, the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, this king, Nebuchadnezzar came to this town and besieged it. Now, first of all, they were captured. They were slaves. They were servants because they had been captured and taken out of, like we said, their own homelands. That's uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever been had to move out of your home for any period of time. It's kind of a little bit uncomfortable to move out of your church for a period of time, right? But we're doing it because it's God's process. It's God's learning curve for us. And sometimes His ways are a lot higher than our ways. Wouldn't you agree with that? Somebody ought to give an amen to that. Then, then they carried off all these temples, uh, the gods in there. They put treasure in there. Uh, then the king ordered the chief to bring the service of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young man, again, what the Bible says in verse 4, without any physical defect. And the important part is showing aptitude for every kind of learning. They were well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve. That's a lot of things. Uh, a, a lot of resume things right there. A lot of building resume things. It, Daniel would have a really great LinkedIn profile, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but God's process isn't always fast. God spoke to me 10 years ago and told me I would be a military chaplain. 10 years. That's a long time to wait. Paul, Pastor Paul also shared 17 years he had dealt with the calling. that God never manifested in those 17 years, but he knew it was coming because God promised it. And we see those things come to fruition in our lives. And it's amazing because the timing that we would choose is a lot different. You would be amazed at the amount of time that I've tried to get into the military before now. You would be amazed at how many times I've tried to lose weight before now and how many times I've tried to meet the educational requirements before now and people I've tried to network with and it did not work. Why? It wasn't God's process. It was my process. It was my time. And that's wrong. But sometimes we have to learn to kind of follow the Lord instead of follow our own self. But the really cool thing in this story is Daniel and the Hebrew children never wavered in their faith of trusting God's process. Even throughout the whole book of Daniel, we see some awesome stories, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but awesome stories of how they trusted the process that God had them on. The king even tried to change their identities. I don't know if you found this interesting, but the names were changed. The Hebrew names of the young men were presented, and, and here's the meaning. I looked them up because it's very important. Daniel's name means, I already know this, God is my judge, because that's my name. Um, that's easy. I got that one memorized. At Hananiah, it, it says, Yahweh is gracious. The Lord is gracious. Mishael, who is what God is? Meaning, who is there like the Lord? There's no God like God. And then Azariah means this, Yahweh will help. How awesome their Hebrew meanings meant something, and they were about to endure the test. They were about to go through it, chapters 3 and 6. They were about to go through all the tests they had. But the really cool thing is, the king tried to strip away their identity by changing their names. But they didn't let it bother them. Their new names meant something about the sun gods and the moon gods. They meant something to the Babylonians and the king. But they didn't falter. They embraced the process, and they knew that God would be faithful just as He had before. How many know that sometimes the world is going to try to change your identity? They're going to try to change the way you look at yourself. You're not a child of God. You're just a sinner. 
But the second part of that is you are a child of God and you're saved by grace. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves that is good. And that's what the Bible says. So if we trust God, we embrace the process, just like Daniel and the Hebrew children, even while captured and a slave, the end result we see that God was glorified. The king turned and worshipped the Lord and said, look, if anybody ever says anything bad about Daniel and the Hebrew children's God, they're going to be cut into pieces and thrown away. That's what he says. Read it. At the end of chapter uh, 3, I think it is, he said, let no man challenge their God because they trusted God's process and they were faithful. Have you ever had a time in your life where you had to trust God in the midst of really difficult circumstances? Really difficult circumstances. I mean, there's sickness that goes on. There's you know, all kinds of financial trouble that goes Man, when you, when you have those times, though, those are the times where you need to look up the most. And that's the time where you, you really can't rely on faith if you hadn't built it before. You've got to build that faith in the good times so that it carries you through. And these Hebrew children and Daniel were very strong. So not only, number one, do you have to, what? Trust God's process. Number two is? When you live with purpose, you have God-sized standards. <clears throat> and so, I, how many of you know that our standards versus God's standards? The world's versus God's standards? It's all different, right? And so in verse 5, we read that the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. The king's goal was to completely strip away their Jewish identity. Everything that they knew that they had learned from their Jewish heritage, he wanted to take it away. He wanted to take away every standard and replace it with a Babylonian standard. But when you live with purpose, you have God-sized standards. So Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official permission not to defile himself this way. God's side standards do not look like what the world asks of us or expects us to do. Daniel knew that he needed to choose to follow what was taught in Scripture. He did not want to make himself unclean by eating the food, and God did not want the Israelites to eat that food. For us, God's side standards might be taking Colossians 3.23 at face value. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. So in college, I worked at McDonald's for four years. And so I was really hard because they don't want you to have a brain. You just do exactly as they say, as you'd say it every single day. And in that, I had to remind myself every single day that I'm working for the Lord, not for them, because if I was going to work for them, they wouldn't get the work done. You know, uh, my paycheck was saved. <laughs> so, the other one might be John 13, 35, that says, by this, everyone will know that we are disciples. You are my disciples if you love one another. What Daniel did here is he went against the grain. He was brave, and God honored that bravery, as you see in the next few verses. Since now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord and King, who assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking any worse than the other men, young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. This makes me laugh because the things that they were assigning him, we all know that that's the most horrible for you. <laughs> and so for him to say that, but they had no idea. The, they didn't have God dictating their diet like Daniel did. The fear the official had is one that I'm sure a lot of us have. And it takes me back to a quote that shaped me as a young teen. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. Church families, kids, teens, and adults, we need to figure out that what those non-negotiables are 
for us and to stand for them. When we decide today what to say no to and what to say yes to, it's going to make saying no and yes easier later. Not only that, but it's going to give us the strength. We'll be able to figure out how people are going to respond. And so we'll have a strength to not let that stop us from doing what we're supposed to do. It says later in the scripture that um, Daniel, he, he got smart and he knew he was relying on God and he was relying on God's high standards and he said, test what's going on. Test what we're doing after 10 days. If it doesn't work out, then we'll change it and you can punish us or whatever. And so Daniel did not allow the situation and its lack of hope to paralyze him. As we were going through the story, I just kept on putting myself in Daniel's shoes. I can't imagine the fear that he faced. The hopelessness, not knowing when he was going to go back home, or even the state of his home when he got back there. I cannot imagine. And even in that, he knew what his God-side standards were, and he held to those. And so, for us, that is looking into Scripture, into the life of Jesus, and what he taught us to do. The way that he upheld those standards with... um, the Pharisees of the time and the religious leaders of the time, we are as well to hold up those standards. So, we've gone through. So the first point is you trust God's process. The second one is this, you have God-sized standards. And the third is this today, when you live with purpose, it makes way for the miraculous. Everybody say miracles. Miracles. I don't know if you've ever experienced miracles, but they're powerful. Uh, I have seen healings. I have been healed in my own um, my own body. I had a this may seem weird to some of you. I had a skin tag over this ear, and it was it becoming huge and engulfed, and it was painful. And I'm like, well, goodness gracious, what do I do about this? And the first thing that came to my mind was, I ain't going to the doctor. I'm gonna pray about it. Mm-hmm. So I laid my hand on it, prayed about it. The next morning, I woke up, it was gone. Whoa. And I'm like, yeah, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of you know about my ankle trouble that I've had. I've had prayer over that. I don't have pain anymore with my ankle. And recently I've had knee pain running because I run a lot. And uh, I've been praying over that. The pain's gone with that. I just trust God that He's going to take care of me in the miraculous because of the other first two. We trust the process of God and then we have God's standards, which leads us to the miraculous. And in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 17 it says this, these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds, which can only be explained by Him. Uh, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them. He talked with them and found, like we said, none equal to these children, the Hebrew children. So they entered the king's service. God has a way of separating us from, from the rest of people when we're anointed and called by Him. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about the king questioned me, he found them ten times better, just like we just said, than all the magicians and enchanters in this whole kingdom. <coughs> you see, when, when we live with purpose, God opens the miraculous. And if we think about it, we look in Daniel in the lion's den in chapter 6. It says, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. So he honored the king, but he said, my God sent his angel and he shuts the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. That's a miracle. It's a miracle that he was thrown in this den of lions and the angels shut their mouths and were not able to harm him. Another uh, miracle was the uh, Hebrew children and Daniel in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You may remember the story. It's a powerful story because the king heated up the fire. Even the guys who were heating up the fire died. And then the Hebrew children were thrown in. I I often put myself in Daniel's shoes. He had to watch. (laughs) It wasn't comfortable for him. He had to watch these uh, Hebrew children. Now, 
I imagine that he probably had a hint of, uh-oh, what's about to happen. But he also had this unwavering faith, unwavering stand that he knew God was going to take care of him. And then another thought that I heard this week was Daniel uh, probably was able to see the fourth man in the fire. But I wonder, the Bible never mentions if the three Hebrew children in the fire actually saw the fourth man. Did you ever think about that? The Bible never mentions that the children inside saw Jesus or the angel or whoever with them. But they still stood unwavering in their faith. But the king saw it. And the king honored them. And the king honored God. And that's amazing. That's a miracle. The other big miracles in the book of Daniel is the dreams and visions he has. In fact, Daniel is the only book in the Old Testament that describes, or the only passage in the Old Testament that describes God in the same way that John the Revelator does in Revelation. It's interesting. Uh, there's so many things that tie this book and is miraculous. And Nick V, the guy speaking tonight, actually has a quote I found online. He says this, If you can't get a miracle, become one. And that's the way he lives his life. If you can't get a miracle, if you're not getting your miracle, become one to somebody else. And, and that's an important thing. But again, living with purpose requires consistency, it requires faithfulness, and it requires faith. Because our identity, again, is found in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 37 and 38 that we are more, 28, 28, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. What is a conqueror? Someone that overcomes. We're more than that through Jesus. And only through Him can we do that. The Bible says that through Christ, I can do all things that strengthen me, right? Through Whatever. You know what I mean. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's better. Uh, and then Jesus even says, even greater things of these you will do in my name. And it's interesting because sometimes we walk around and it's easy to do with no purpose and no vision and no standards. And all these things because we're not trusting the process of God and we're not trusting God for the miraculous. When He says in His Word and He's demonstrated time and time again that He is faithful and He's going to show up and show off. So, the last one is when you live with purpose, you start today. So, I want to tell you a little story. A few years ago, I went to Egypt. And before going, I, we were sharing with the group some major fears we have had about going to Egypt. And uh, one thing I said to the group, and I still remember it today because my fears were unfounded, as I found out, is I was afraid, first off, it would be the first time I'd be going to a country that wasn't Latin-based, that I couldn't figure out what the words were by reading it or trying to guess the name. Right? It's all in Arabic. The next thing is how people communicate there. The culture is so different that most of the time it's really close in your face and they're yelling, and it sounds like they're angry when they communicate in Arabic. Um, I was afraid because I knew that, um, you know, like, that I'm going to see some super weird things. One of the things that's interesting there is when good male friends are hanging out together, walking down the street, they tend to hold hands. And um, and then another thing is that... that <laughs> another thing is that... And they also rode on um, bikes together a lot, which is interesting. But I love you, but I don't love you that much. <laughs> and then Egyptian people eat food in what they call a family style. And this means that no one has a plate, but everybody has a fork and a piece of pita bread. And you just dig into whatever bowl they're on, which I think everybody should adopt. It's amazing. Um, and then the other thing is uh, that I learned while I was in Egypt is that drinks should be only consumed after the meal. It's very unhealthy, according to Egyptian custom, to drink before. And we got really upset at a waiter at a restaurant one time because, where's the drinks? We ordered them. <laughs> 
And so, but what we were, what I was terrified about is that I would get lost in the culture. That I would get lost in the differences and that it would overwhelm me. And that it would take away my all, all my identity. And so I think about that today, going into the book of Daniel, into the story of these four young men. And the fact that they were taken out of their culture, out of the things they knew, I was taken out for 10 days and put somewhere else. <laughs> they, it was an unforeseeable future. They had no idea when they would go back. They had no idea what everything would look like. And, you know, I know a lot of good friends, and I know some of our international travelers here today would say that when you're staying in a country for an extended amount of time, you get something called culture shock. And it's uh, trying to figure out your place in that culture and how to um, do what the culture says, but also remember your own identity. And these guys, they were getting forced to have their identity stripped from them. And so in verse 3 to 4, we find that uh, the king ordered um, Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men without physical defects, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, put to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And from this verse, you can gather a few things. A number of qualifications were necessary before young men were eligible for training in Babylon. The trainees had to be a certain age, young men, is the translation of the Hebrew word, which is yaladim, which may refer to children, boys, or young men. And according to Plato, the education of Persian youth begin in the 14th year. And so it is reasonable to assume that the Babylonians commenced the training of young people at the same age as the Persians. Daniel then would likely be about 14 or 15 years of age when he was taken into captivity and began his training. Nebuchadnezzar wanted boys that were teachable age. People that were easily moldable, easily manipulated. People that, you know, only had a few years to learn their customs so they could change them. How many of you are close to that age? Just a few years off of 14 or 15? May, uh, we got some. Yeah, we got 10-year-olds in the room. We got... Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, my point here is, is your age doesn't matter when it comes to God. At 14, these boys were taken into exile, brainwashed and sent to do the king's bidding. God had other plans for them, and God has plans for us. Whether we're 8, 10, 16, 30, 45, or 80, God wants to use you. He tends to use tons of, we tend to use tons of excuses as fodder for the fire of I can't. Our age, our position, our wealth, and our experience do a great job making our campfire really big. But have any of us stopped to realize that all of those things are better reasons for God to use us? They were young, easily manipulated, without identity, without family, without hope, and they lived with purpose. And God took their purpose, purposeful lives and used it for the fire of I will. Not our will, but God's will. He uses us in unimaginable ways when we put down the camp and take up his, I will. I will do your will, God. When you live with purpose, you start today. We should not allow our camps to be bigger than his, I will. One of my favorite verses is um, found in Acts 4.13. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men 
had been with Jesus. So his qualification is being with Jesus. It's not our age. It's not our experience. It's not any of that. It's being with Jesus. When we are with Jesus, when we live with purpose and follow God, he's going to take us to the places that we could never get on our own. He's going to take us to um, people that we would never think about talking to or reaching for. And it's not something that we uh, might even have to go out of um, the place that we're at right now. It might be in the job you're at right now. It might be in this classroom, in school right now. It's in the place that you're at. God has called you to minister and to witness to people around you. And you know what? I am so jealous of people who have jobs outside of church because you guys can witness to people in so much greater ways, impacting ways than I ever could. Because you see them every single day. You get to make relationship with them. When I make relationship with people, they're like, I think she's just trying to convert me. She's a pastor. That's all she wants to do. And, you know, it was funny. A few weeks ago, I was home. And I told you I worked at McDonald's all four years through college. And uh, there is, uh, one of my favorite things to do is uh, on Saturday mornings, there are these four old guys that, you know, retired men that love to go and drink coffee at McDonald's. And so I walked up to them, and got, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've changed over the last few years. So um, they, I walked up, and I sat down at the table with them. And they looked at me, and like, this is crazy lady who thinks it's okay to sit at our table. And, you know, they're kind of grumpy. Um, so um, I sit there, and then finally one of them, he looks at me, and he's like, you used to work here, didn't you? And, I, and so we had a good conversation. It was amazing. And they, they knew that I went to Bible College in North Dakota. They remembered that. They knew um, that I was probably a pastor somewhere. They didn't know where. Uh, but at the end of the conversation, of course, it went to God. It went to all of that. They said to me, next time you come back up to try to convert us. <laughs> but it was amazing to be able to witness to people just by generosity, just by showing them love, by being a super hard worker in that situation. And God is calling us to start today, not tomorrow when we're better or capable, but today so he can be the one to make us capable. There's always a better excuse tomorrow. <laughs> I'll get my finances in order tomorrow when I make more money tomorrow. I'll get my weight in order when I have better opportunity to eat better and not so busy. I mean, the list can go on. We can make excuses. One thing I like to remind myself of is, is this little phrase. And if you'll call and respond it back to me, it says this. I can. I, can. I will. Okay. I must. I must. I was talking with someone yesterday at men's breakfast and... Um, you know, it seems like we've lost our passion for the, the lost souls. It seems like sometimes we don't re remember that it was a great commission. It wasn't a great suggestion. A lot of times we can uh, begin to tell ourselves lies of the enemy that we're not qualified enough. We don't know enough. and You know, those kinds of things. But just like the verse we read, they will know you're my disciples for the love you have for what? One another. And that's something we can all do. That's something we can all do today and start now. We don't have to wait until tomorrow. But we can dive into that word and we can learn and we can grow. So again, today, these uh, four points is when you live a life with purpose or you live with purpose, you trust God's process. You have God-sized 
standards. You make it makes way for the miraculous, and then you start today. Would you stand and pray with us today? Father, we thank you for an incredible word right out of Daniel chapter 1. God, we see through the Hebrew children's lives that you bless a life of faithfulness, a life that honors you, that's faithful to your standards that you call us to. And God, when we don't delay, we start no matter where we are. God, we see in the midst of circumstances, even though they were in captivity and slavery, that they were bonded and not free, God, that you made them a witness. You made them uh, show your glory to King Nebuchadnezzar. God, we ask in our own lives that you would just begin right now, God, in our lives, even that God, every person here, no matter the age, the children, the babies, all the way up to the adults, God, that you would give us people in our lives that we can show the glory and the love of God to. And that they would see you, and that they would worship you, not because of how good we are, God, but because of how good you are to us, and how good you are through us. And God, we can be used by you if we're faithful, and if we trust your process. So God, sometimes it's difficult, I pray that you would give us strength for those difficult times. Wisdom, God, when we don't know what to say or do. And God, that you would give us no excuse, and we would have the mentality that I can, I will, and I must for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.